Okay, uh, I think I can do some sort of introduction. Yeah, I started recording. Yeah, no, okay, we don't I'm plan recording. this out. We're very good. <laughs> All business now, everybody. Lock it up. <laughs> <laughs> this is the same introduction I do for every episode. It's We have a slogan and everything. It's all scripted. We're all always prepared to start the show. This is Rock Hard Caucus. My name is Justin Comer. I am joined tonight by three of my usual gang of co-hosts. We've got Evan Jones. Hello. We've got Natalia Harwood. <laughs> hey. <laughs> and we got Stella Hart. Hey. And it's not just us this time. We've got a very special guest on tonight's program. Uh, we've got the Democratic nominee for Johnson County Supervisor, a special election coming up in just a couple weeks. We've got John Green on the show. Evening. Woo! The fact Welcome. that it's a special election is the only thing that makes me special. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the show, John. I've Thank you. been an admirer for a while. It's nice to speak to you on here. You need better role models. <laughs> well, I, I admire you. I don't know if I uh, consider you a role model necessarily. <laughs> so our friend chuck who also hosts the show with us he is not able to be here tonight but he wanted me to give john his love so here is chuck's love allow me to practice some uh reciprocity (laughs) he'll be thrilled Uh, So two of us, uh, myself and Stella, reside in Johnson County. So we've got a lot riding on this. We are the most uh, invested in your election, John. Yeah, if you uh, need to convince people on the call, it's us because we're the actual (laughs) constituents. You'll be working for us, basically. So then why the hell are the rest of the people even on here? (laughs) Yeah, we're completely extraneous, to be honest. Oh, shit. But we, we're also interested, very much interested. If you hear anything from Evan and Natalie that you don't care about, feel free to disregard. Yeah, we're <laughs> yeah. the central island. Yeah, you don't have to. You don't have to listen to us or consider our opinions. <laughs> oh, we've got an entire central Iowa cohort, do we? Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh. Evan and Natalie are here just because they love to rock the vote. Uh, <laughs> we just we love got the East get Coast the and we got the Midwest. <laughs> Oh my god, Join I don't together. know if I have enough beer. <laughs> <laughs> but we're gonna try it. Yeah. Did you only get one can? We may need well, to take like a break. I said, the beer fridge is right here. Right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know if anyone else has noticed, but it's decided to get into muggy season today. So yeah. don't dare take more than one ahead out. Otherwise it'll sweat itself to death before oh, you yeah. drink the damn thing. That's right. Yeah. You gotta plan ahead. So you are in the middle of campaigning. This is a very short uh, campaign cycle because, again, it's a special election. You're replace, yeah. replacing a supervisor who uh, retired unexpectedly in April. It wasn't that long ago, right? I could never replace Janelle. I could merely succeed her. <laughs> Filling a seat which was vacated, yes. Last night, you participated in a debate hosted by the League of Women Voters here in Johnson County. Mm-hmm. I think all of us saw at least some of that. Is that right? Yeah. How okay. many beers did you have before the forum, John? <laughs> no comment. <laughs> <laughs> I know that you've run for office before. Was this the first time you have had a broadcasted debate with your opponents? Uh, I think so. The League... You know, they do this for all the races. So we had a forum when I was running for mayor of Lone Tree, but it's been years since we've had like public access or anything down here. Mm-hmm. Uh, they probably put it on their Facebook page 
hell, shit, I don't even think they did that. I don't remember any cameras come to think of it. Yeah. So, yes, this has been my first time under the cleat lights. Okay. So, was that stressful for you? Did you feel, were you nervous? Mm, not particularly. <laughs> I mean, yeah, and that's not, not saying anything special about me. It's just that when you're in the midst of campaigning, you do it over and over and over again. Sure. I'm comfortable in my own skin. I know what I believe in. So I just got up there and said my piece. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not uh, used to having to like defend myself in that kind of arena. Uh, usually we just, you know, talk amongst ourselves. We talk all the shit we want and nobody can. Well, it's not like it was fucking crossfire. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's the League of Women Voters. <laughs> and, uh, and, and don't, and, but also, don't, don't get me wrong. I, I think that a more adversarial format certainly has value. Yeah. But at the same time, the, shall we call it, stayed format mm-hmm. of uh, League of Women Voters Forum is also valuable. It gives us an opportunity to speak our piece, make our arguments without everybody talking over one another. And, you know, I'm confident in what it is that I'm saying. I've got no trepidation about that. I'm happy to get out there and say it. And so I like the opportunity to be able to talk to folks because uh, when you consider the usual audience for the League of Women Voters, it's it's not the sort of people that I typically get to talk to. Mm-hmm. I get to talk to a lot of their folks down here in the big twig. But in terms of reaching, you know, a more elderly audience in the Iowa City, Coralville, North Liberty metro, those aren't folks that I generally get to speak to. So don't get me wrong. I'm grateful for it. But at the same time, yeah. It's it's pretty. Uh, we're all going to take tea together and have our crumpets and yada yada yada. <laughs> Something uh, Stella and I were both talking about earlier was it, it seemed like your opponents were accusing you of being in this for a paycheck. Is that something you'd like to comment on? Is that something you'd like to comment on? <laughs> you haggling for a fucking job in my press office? I don't think you I don't think you understand what it's like to be a county supervisor. It's a yeah, it's a little bit more pay and prestige than being the mayor of Lone Tree, but mm-hmm. yeah, it ain't like uh it ain't like the bad old days when I was uh, governor Joe Manchin, uh, I'm sorry, Dave Friedenthal's press secretary out Wyoming way. Let's talk a little bit about your your history. I you were the mayor of Lone Tree for how long? I know you're not right now, right? No, I'm not presently the mayor of Lone Tree. I was mayor here in 1819. Okay. Which, going back to your first question, the reason I didn't seek a second term is because when I was mayor, I got paid a thousand bucks a year. What did I say on Twitter? Public service shouldn't be public servitude. Mm -hmm. I I, I think it is valuable that supervisors make a pretty decent salary. Uh, I think it's about 80 grand, you know, because that way you don't have to be independently wealthy or retired on a pension or whatever to be able to get into public service. Mm -hmm. I will note that uh, the uh, city council down here, one of their last votes before I stood down a couple of years ago was that they increased the mayor's salary from a thousand a year to 2000 a year. Mm -hmm. So if this whole thing don't work out, maybe I can do some upgrading (laughs) that way. (laughs) Yeah. What's the rent like down there? Can you live off of 2000 a year? Well, you know, uh, it depends on how much it rains. The corrugated cardboard don't hold up so well to the rain. Right. <laughs> I mean, percentage-wise, that's a huge increase. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it is. It's going to blow up their budget. But, you know, it's also like I, my day job right now is I work in IT. My job title is, if you will give me a moment uh, to vomit this on all of you. <laughs> I am a uh, senior information technology systems administrator for mass storage, authentication, identity management, and there's something else in there. 
I've never had business cards because they wouldn't be business cards. It'd be a fucking ticker tape this long. <laughs> but, but the point being, you know, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. I'm not running for supervisor for the money. I'm running for supervisor because I give a shit. Mm-hmm. But I do think it's important that anybody can run for supervisor or any other sort of public office. And we don't have to depend on people doing it out of the you know, their charitable nature. Uh, as somebody else said on Twitter last night, you know, that's how power perpetuates itself. Yep. And so it is important to me. Mm-hmm. It's not just something to do in your free time. Yeah. I gotta say, I like that you uh, shortened, I read your little little village piece, and I like that you shortened that whole title down to Computer Janitor. That yeah. warmed my heart. <laughs> yeah, I've got my little yellow fucking Rubbermaid mop bucket that I push around and I clean up, you know, zeros and ones that somebody's made a mess of. Yeah. <laughs> Very honest. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it's also, and this is something that's important to me too, it's an ego thing when you talk jargon, right? Yep. I'm not smarter than anybody else because, you know, I can rattle off all these three-letter acronyms about mass storage technologies that I work with every day. It's just that that's what I work with every day. Right. And it's insulting to people to, you know, to use jargon as a barrier to clear communication. And it's something uh, a lot of folks in politics should be better about. This isn't about us, you know. Proving, hey, I'm smarter than you are. Uh, it's the I'm here doing this work, hopefully for you, uh, and let's work together and let's communicate clearly to one another, uh, even if there's some fucking vulgarities involved. <laughs> but everybody understands those. <laughs> Respect. Universal language, if you will. That's yeah, that's what he's talking about. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it, it it's reflective of personal insecurity, I think, when people try and use language to obfuscate either because they don't want whomever they're talking to to understand what they're saying or because they want to come off sounding smarter than they think that they really are. It's insecurity, that's all. And uh, you said obfuscate. Uh, What's that word mean? (laughs) (laughs) Let me grab you a dictionary. Thank you. Thank you. another elitist trying to get into office (laughs) yes yes i'm very elite Uh, (laughs) i think like your point is is really well taken at least like last night during the forum it seemed like that was something that both of your opponents kind of jumped on to the like i'm not in this for a paycheck kind of thing and your response i thought was really well measured and like well no people who work this hard to serve their communities like they deserve to be compensated for that work and their their time and everything um it just seemed like they didn't really have much else to i don't know i i felt like they didn't have as strong uh, opinions or they weren't as passionate or eloquent as some of the other points. So that seemed like a part where they could kind of jump on you for something like that wasn't even real. Well, thank you for saying that. Uh, I'm never going to deny deny that I'm passionate, uh, but it is a compliment to hear that I'm eloquent. (laughs) The thing with Phil and Brian and I don't know either of them. Brian actually showed up on my doorstep Saturday morning to introduce himself and, you know, make sure that everything, everything was going to be kosher and whatnot. (laughs) And that was nice of him so far as it goes. But, uh, (laughs) you know, the thing is, from what I've been able to ascertain, neither of them really have anything that they're passionate about. They're running about. Phil's passionate about saying no. um, (laughs) That, you know, I was in the uh, county administrative building Tuesday, taking a tour, talking to some people. 
And the executive director of the supervisors was like, hey, just so you know, one supervisor has zero power. It takes three supervisors to do Jack Diddley squat. Mm -hmm. And that's true. Phil, he can vote no on everything that he wants. But if it's just no, 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 without there being some sort of constructive criticism, this is how we can do it better, yada, yada, yada. It doesn't add up to anything. I anticipate that if I am elected, I'm going to get the uh, fucking trucks that drive by my house all the time to get better mufflers. Uh, <laughs> if I can convince, if I can convince two other supervisors to get on board with that, right? <laughs> but I do, I do anticipate that I vote no on some stuff. But it will be because I'm also making an affirmative argument that it's not like no, 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 we can't do this. It's we can do this, we should do this, and this is how we should do it better. Mm -hmm. uh, whether that be uh, we need more money for mental health stuff, which is super important to me, whether it be we need to be giving money to undocumented folks who have taken it in the fucking teeth during the COVID crisis. Yep. Well, you know, they don't have papers and yada, 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 and the federal government might get sideways with us. Listen, you folks all know I got some truck with Joe Biden, but at the same time, I have been pleasantly surprised with most of the domestic stuff he's been doing. And I don't think that if Johnson County, Iowa, gives some money to folks that don't have papers, that the Treasury Department's going to come huffing down our neck. It's important <laughs> that we do shit legally. It's important that we follow policies and procedures. It's important that we have oversight. But uh, to another point that I made last night, I have uh, filed for food stamps before. I've been on unemployment before. Mm -hmm. That shit ain't easy. No. If you got to go yeah. to the government and say, hey, I'm hurt and I need some help, it's humiliating because of a bunch of cultural bullshit in this country yeah. where it's like, pull yourself up by your fucking bootstraps, son. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, it, you've got to be, and there certainly are some of these characters in this country, but you've got to be a real charlotte and grifter to want to uh do a little light fraud to get some unemployment yeah it's designed to be humiliating mm -hmm. so yeah we need oversight we need to keep an eye on stuff but this constant republican talking point that there are people hiding behind every bush that are gonna drain the unemployment fund or abuse workman's comp or whatever it's total bullshit yeah uh, I've also been collecting unemployment for a little over a year now, so I'm <laughs> very much invested in that argument as well. What, this this gig don't pay? Uh, this one doesn't pay too much. We do have a Patreon, but uh, there are oh. just, just a handful well, of very kind individuals. <laughs> well, come on, Justin. Plug it now. Well, come on. Don't miss, don't miss an opportunity. <laughs> That's at patreon.com slash rockhardcaucus. <laughs> very cheap to get... Uh, bonus audio every month if, if you're is, interested. Is it R-O-C or R-O-C-K? You gotta spell this shit out. Well, it is spelled R-O-C-K H-A-R-D C-A-U-C-U-S <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so uh, just write it on your coattails if anybody uh, listening to the shindig tonight wants to chuck me a couple bucks I'm at actblue.com slash donate slash green for J-C G-R-E-E-N F-O-R J-C and now I feel like I need to wash my fucking hands. <laughs> I, 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 hate I hate asking for money. It's the worst part of campaigning, but it's also the most clarifying because it reminds you that at the end of the day, dollars and cents are the lubricant that makes this whole fucked up system work. Mm -hmm. <laughs>
And that's, well that's it's, something, it's something we need to work on. And one of the things that frustrates me is, you know, there's a lot of stuff I like to talk about, but just the fact of the matter is there's a lot of stuff that county supervisors can't fix. There's a lot of important stuff that they can, but it's like we can't rewrite campaign finance law in the state of Iowa, let alone federally. Mm-hmm. And so it's important that, you know, we continue making hell about it and try and get changes made, try and get legislation passed at the federal level. I know that I've got it. I've already ticked it off the list, but I do want to uh, just take this opportunity to shiv one Joe Manchin one more time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Kirsten Cinema Twist too. The knife. Yeah. 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 Well, the thing is, this, this is my objection to them. I, I get that they want to get elected. I get that they want to get reelected and be, you know, popular and, do well at all the cocktail parties and assuming they're both double back. But uh, at the end of the day, if they fail to get their shit together, it doesn't matter what we do here locally. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because the Republicans are ready to so uh, rat fuck everything from dog catcher to president. We're never going to elect another Democratic president because the Republicans won't allow it. Yeah. And you've got Manchin over here. The Senate, it's the world's most fucked up deliberative body or whatever it is. It's like, uh, come on. You can piss on my leg, but don't tell me it's raining. Is that permission? At least respect us enough to be honest and say, well, I might lose my Senate seat. Okay, fair enough, Joe. I, I, I just appreciate that much respect. Out of <laughs> right. Yeah, my favorite uh, recent Manchin thing is uh, that speech that Biden gave and Manchin is like in the corner reading his little constitution. What an oh, awesome yeah. publicity stunt. <laughs> it got him a lot of like positive attention. Everyone loved it. Well, you know, I always clutch my pearls, too, when somebody's reading the riot act. <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, we've uh, we've, you know, been touching on it a little bit. But earlier you said you accused me of not knowing uh, what a county supervisor does. And that was uh, an accurate accusation. <laughs> when did I accuse you of that? I have no memory of that. <laughs> I don't really remember what you said. It was at least five minutes ago. So it's already, you know, I don't oh. Yeah, I didn't write it down. But uh, yeah, we don't really know. You know, what what would your duties <laughs> be? What is a county supervisor's job? What do they have domain over? Okay, so there's two parts to the answer to that question. The first is the organizational thing. County supervisors are kind of unusual in that, you know, every year they elect a chair and a vice chair, but otherwise it's five people all on equal footing. It's not like down here in Lone Tree where you've got a five-member city council and a mayor. And so everything's got to be collaborative. There was certain stuff I could do when I was mayor that I could just do. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to be very cogent of the fact that there are repercussions to what you do. So it's not like you can be a petite tyrant. <laughs> you could try that shit, but it don't work out very well. <laughs> so that's the first thing is the authority, how it works out. That the five supervisors have got to be collaborative. You've got to have three votes to do anything. That's part one. Part two is what do the supervisors do? To begin with, imagine anything that a city council does. Supervisors do that at the county level. And supervisors also have some additional responsibilities, uh, you know, like county public health department, uh, that sort of thing that doesn't exactly map into what most smaller municipalities do. 
So it's like planning and zoning. It's which highways are we going to target for repaving or putting paved shoulders on so bicyclists can enjoy the county, Mm -hmm. that sort of thing. It's a really fascinating thing. It is everywhere if you're a huge nerd like I am. I find the specific qualities of Johnson County, the the perceived tension, which I think is bullshit, between the urban and rural areas, you know, I, I think that all boils down to better communication. And it also helps that I don't live in the Iowa City metro. Right. That's nothing against Iowa City. My girlfriend's from Iowa City. And I mean, I clearly fucking love her. <laughs> uh, but it's like... It's a matter of perspective. It's the same argument we talk about when we're talking about racial and economic diversity in terms of governance. The more diverse viewpoints that we can bring to bear, I firmly believe the better. Yeah. Actually, you know, now that you've brought up the urban rural divide, I believe Stella has like some Iowa City specific. uh, Are there (laughs) questions or or what exactly are you bringing to the table here, Stella? Well, I don't know specifically what I'm bringing to the table, but um, some some hard hitting questions. So, all right, <laughs> all right, get ready. This is now hardball with Chris Matthews. Now, um, now it is fuck. hardball. I too did to the Here wrong channel. <laughs> <laughs> is he still in the air? <laughs> no, I think they pulled him, didn't they? Oh no, he he didn't. He get bounced for being a sex pest. I thought so. I don't. I thank God I don't keep up with that. But. <laughs> Yeah, I don't even own a TV. <laughs> Shit, I had to get back on Facebook for this campaign. You oh. know how much of a pain <laughs> no. in the ass that's been? <laughs> Other than starting hypertension medication, the best decision I've made in my life was getting off Facebook two years ago. <laughs> and I'm sorry, Stella, I keep cutting you off. Let's have, let's have the hard-hitting questions. All right, so when you're elected, John, uh, you'll be the only supervisor not from like the Iowa City, Coralville Mm-hmm. area. You're from uh, Lone Tree. And so basically, my question is, my main question is to figure out, can you represent us in <laughs> Iowa City? Right. <laughs> we have some questions here to determine if you can represent us Iowa City residents, specifically me. <laughs> uh, I've got some pH test strips right over here for uh, checking the antifreeze in my diesel truck. So if we're doing litmus tests, I'm ready to rock and roll. All right, perfect. I love Iowa City. That's no, no bullshit. I love Iowa City. Well, we'll be the. Uh, we'll determine if Iowa City loves you back right now. So five, <laughs> five questions for you, so that the you know Iowa City Coralville residents can determine if uh, you'll be a fitting supervisor. Oh, am I gonna need another beer? <laughs> you might if you want to grab one. <laughs> no, I'd love very much to hear your hard hitting questions. All right. So the first one is, what is your zodiac sign? <laughs> If I know, I was born January 27th, 83. Capricorn, right? You're a Capricorn or an Aquarius. See, I know this. <laughs> I am a geriatric millennial. That's the only thing I know. <laughs> Silver's starting to come in right here. Oh, it's sexy. <laughs> We're middle-aged millennials, I think, on this podcast. Yeah. Oh, my Mid-life God. I'm crisis. hanging out with the youths. <laughs> yeah, we're like, what, five years younger than you? <laughs> my campaign manager would be telling me that I'm wasting my time talking to you young people because you don't turn out and vote. Well, Stella and I will. This is a wasted effort. 
<laughs> What's that, Justin? Stella and I will certainly be voting. Yeah, well, so that's you, good. you've got to vote early and vote often, and we'll probably be voting <laughs> yeah. for you even. Well, shit, that's even better. <laughs> Jury's still out on whether this is a wasted effort, but um, we're glad you're here. So, people in Iowa City have very strong opinions about grocery stores and their allegiance to grocery, like certain grocery stores mm-hmm. and which ones they prefer. Do you have a preferred grocery store? Where do you get your foodstuffs? All right. So, Justin, are you the audio engineer? Yes. All right. So, please do tell me if things go catawampus. <laughs> I'm going to go off the headset for just a moment. Yeah, no problem. The nice thing about doing this outside is it means we can take a little tour. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I feel like the listeners need to know that he is in an amazing barn with a clawfoot bathtub. (laughs) It's important to be able to uh, stay clean wherever you're at. That's the uh, motto that I grew up with. All right. I don't know how well this is going to work, but uh, let's see here. So that's the bank. Yeah. So right there, center screen. This used to be our grocery store. This used to be the grocery store that had my allegiance. But unfortunately, it closed in October of 2017 because with our proximity to Iowa City uh, and the fact that we're also a bedroom community, most of our folks are in Iowa City most days. Uh, and that fucking sucked. It also, yeah. I'm sure that there's no correlation here, but the uh, grocery store also happened to go tits up right about the same time that uh, Dollar General opened up here in town. Hmm. Like I said, I'm sure there's no correlation there. <laughs> <laughs> so that's where I used to get my groceries. Now, through the pandemic times, was doing pickup IV. I hate them, but they're also for somebody who lives out the sticks like I do. It's the best option that I've had. I go to the co-op when I can. I like Aldi's. When I was a kid, since I've already outed myself as a gray-bearded geriatric millennial, when I was a kid living in Nichols, we went to Econo Foods in Muscatine. There used to be an Econo Foods in Iowa City on the south side. Hmm. Uh, And then we went to Cub Foods after Econo Foods closed. Doesn't seem like a lot of brand loyalty, Stella. Pour one out for Econo Foods. We all got to eat. We all got to eat. <laughs> all of the above was acceptable. Okay. No, no, no. We, we, we do all have to eat. And that's, that's something else in terms of uh, messaging and politics and everything is we can't shame people who shop at Walmart when they got to. Yep. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You got to fucking eat. So yeah. that being said, I am fortunate. I do make pretty good money. And so, uh, you know, occasionally we'll get like half a hog or whatever that lives in the deep freeze right next to the beer fridge <laughs> but yeah you, know, you, want, you, want to, you want to support local producers you want to support sustainable agriculture but at the same time we have to make that sort of thing accessible and affordable to everybody mm-hmm. not just the people like me that make good money yeah absolutely it seems like every little town in iowa that had a grocery store maybe at one point there's a dollar general now if anything mm-hmm. absolutely. oh oh uh one more thing while we're on the grocery store thing i would be remiss not to shout out dirty johns but i'm still a little bit sore with those assholes really this <laughs> last year Last year, when it was going all over Iowa City, that there were buses coming in from Chicago, mm-hmm. they they were putting up plywood, and and that really <sighs> that that really disappointed mm. me. That uh, yeah, I missed that. Yeah. I didn't know about that. Dirty Johns did us dirty. Yeah, that's not cool. 
Even the high V on North Dodge Street was doing that. Like yeah. no oh, one. <laughs> oh, high V! Of course they're doing that. They're doing that in Des Moines. Yeah, Waterfront had their their uh, hand fork trucks out, and they barricaded <laughs> the front doors with pallets of bottled water. Yeah. Oh, they moved their delivery one. vans in front of the doors. It's like. What in the fuck do you people think is coming? If you really think it's going to be this severe, do you think that's going to make a difference? <laughs> right. Yeah. We're dismantling that whole building brick by brick. Yeah. <laughs> Quad goals, I guess. So I think before we started recording, you mentioned you are a bird person. Sounds like... Um, Certain bunnies as well. You have some affection for <laughs> friendly bunnies. Friendly bunnies <laughs> depends on their disposition. <laughs> so my question: This is not really an Iowa City question. But just like Thank Dustin God. and I were curious: Are you a dog or cat or just like all around friend of the critters? <laughs> I am very much an unreconstructed hippie. <laughs> I love animals. I appreciate that they are unpretentious and honest. I have a rough collie that I rescued in March of 2008 from the Casper, Wyoming Municipal Animal Shelter. They've got a better name than that, but I'm also a big fan of letting critters kind of express themselves to you. And so I had her, I'll get to her in just a moment, for like three weeks, got her out of the pound. And I, I hadn't named her because I figured, all right, she's going to let me know who she is. I come home for lunch one day. She's having a seizure. I get her to the vet. It turns out. Oh. Now, this is not the way that it's supposed to work when you get a dog out of the pound. They're supposed to be altered. She was oh. pregnant. She yeah, was yeah. very pregnant. She was in delivery. And so oh. she is mama dog. And so I've had her for a little over 13 years. Best we can figure She's probably about 14 mm -hmm. since I got her out of a shelter. I don't know, but I'm guessing she's probably purebred. Uh, and she also had a lousy first year of life. Mm -hmm. It took years. Her and I clicked pretty quickly because I am a critter person, but it took years before she really got comfortable with people. Now she's doing really well. She's deaf, but you know, she's just, she's 45, 50 pounds of love and an awful lot of fur uh, but she she's just a wonderful companion i love her to death eleanor my girlfriend we had a friend living outside of uh, cotter which is in between ainsworth and washington off of 92 she lived on a farm out there and she moved to she moved to oregon or washington state anyway she had some barn cats and eleanor took one of them in and that's oh my god Dusty three spot Springfield Taft, I think. I don't know. <laughs> Dusty is a cat. And as such, you know, she has reams of personality. I'm kind of surprised she hasn't come out here and attacked me yet, wondering what the fuck I'm doing out here in the barn at this hour. But yeah, she's a wonderful cat. We've got the friendly bunnies. I made friends with three of them uh, in late winter. I'd come out front to smoke and they'd come up and I'd open the garbage can with 60 pounds of bird food in it and I'd sprinkle some out and they'd come right up to my feet and they'd chomp on it. I love the birds. This house, uh, my grandparents built this house and they were huge bird aficionados. And so I've got the infrastructure that they leave behind, feed the hell out of them. I curse at the squirrels, but they're all right. <laughs> I think he covered all his bases there. Yeah, you know, I was going to play coy, but dude, you just got my vote. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we can end this now then. 
I will shut it down. Before I screw it up. <laughs> All right, just two more questions. Again, this next one is for me and Justin, basically. So, two-parter. Do you like the Muppets? And if so, which one is your favorite? Like, which one do you identify with the most? Ah, uh, Oscar. Okay. Oh. No, I'm, I'm, I'm. Good answer. I'm, <laughs> I'm a curmudgeon. I'm a curmudgeon. I'm a happy curmudgeon, but uh, I appreciate that Oscar the Grouch does not take any shit from anybody. He is happy to be his own damn self. And even though he's got the gruff exterior, you know, he's also got a heart of gold. There really are none of the Muppets that he can get sideways with. I was more <laughs> of a Fraggle Rock kid growing up, but, uh, you know, we'll make allowances. <laughs> All right, well, you formulate your next question. I'm going to take the long and arduous trek to the beer fridge. Okay. All right, so we'll take five, take 10, I'm gonna, 15. I'm going to grab one, too, actually. Yeah, I had one get before. It. I usually have one before, but not during, yeah. necessarily. My contributions on this episode are brought to you by Mountain Dew Major Melon tonight. Melon? <laughs> Major Melon. What are the kids doing these days? Yeah, they made a watermelon-flavored Mountain Dew. Oh, oh, it's watermelon God. flavored? Yeah, I imagine most would find it disgusting. but uh, 12 ounces of diabetes. I've enjoyed it. <laughs> we spent too much time asking if we could and not if we should. <laughs> Any man for the nut. Well, it's got, here, you know what? Well, we usually don't record on Zoom, so we can't see each other. But while we've got the uh, advantages of video, check out the art on the can there. Oh, my God. It's like a, a watermelon that's enlisted. He's in the no, no, that watermelon looks like he was drafted. <laughs> He's the watermelon that, like, they're the government is doing like LSD experiments on him. Go and tell pro MK Ultra Melon. <laughs> All right, uh, Stella, what else you got for me? All right, one final question. This one's a, like a, a fluffy kind of, you know. So, what's the worst thing that you've ever done? Just a softball there. question to kind of round out, just so the voters can, you know, make yeah. an educated decision. Let, let you take a breath after all the hard ones. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the fact of the matter is, I've made a lot of mistakes. Uh, I usually make at least three before I even brush my teeth. <laughs> Uh, if I want to improve my numbers for the day, I try not to brush my teeth until you know, 10 or 11 in the morning, mm -hmm. uh, just so I can kind of put in a little bit of space there. But yeah, I've made a lot of dumb mistakes. Uh, all right, let's let's do a little soul searching here. I, I've had a couple drunk drivings, and those were both grievously stupid mistakes. One, I was a dumb kid parking. The second was right after I, well, we weren't divorced yet, but right after my ex-wife and I had separated and Mm -hmm. You know, it, it was tough and I was stupid. But a big thing about that is we've got a lot of work to do about, and I know I'm sitting here drinking beer on this podcast, <laughs> but we do have work to do about prohibition didn't work. It doesn't work, whether you're talking right. about booze, whether you're talking about hard drugs. Uh, shut up, phone. I guess I can turn the damn thing off. <laughs> you know, I came out in 2016 when I, was on state central committee of the Iowa Democratic Party that we need to legalize all drugs, mm -hmm. not because drugs are necessarily good. Drugs aren't necessarily bad either. We need to have healthy relationships with drugs. There's a hell of a lot of, 
intriguing and very hopeful work coming out with uh, MDMA, uh, Molly, Ecstasy being just a, a game changer in terms of dealing with folks who are suffering with PTSD. I know some folks that have done ketamine treatments that have, you know, it's saved their lives. So, you know, we need to end the war on drugs uh, and we need to work on having a healthier relationship with substances, whether it be cigarettes, whether it be booze, whether it be harder drugs, whether it be pot. I guess I really am a unreconstructed, unreconstructed hippie because I call pot dope. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, come That's on. The, that's the elder millennial in you, I think. <laughs> no, it's geriatric. Get it oh, right. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> Which uh, so what's the year range for the elder millennials? Because we need to slice up the generation eighty to eighty five as thinly as possible. Okay, okay, Got eighty it. to eighty five. That is my micro generation, apparently. Okay, I think we can probably get that down to two or three uh, sub sub generations, even under that. So, <laughs> well, you you all got to figure out what my moon sign is or whatever first. <laughs> It was, uh, wait, what was it? I forgot already. Capricorn? He didn't know. I think you're a cusper. And by that, I mean uh, Capricorn like Aquarius. <laughs> <laughs> well, he yeah. told you his birthday. Isn't He's that dying. the only thing to determine it? No. Oh, absolutely not, Justin. Come on, Justin. I, sh I shouldn't have said anything. <laughs> you got to get your birth time in there. <laughs> we'll do your star chart, John. <laughs> Dear Brutus. <laughs> But that being said, please do. So I, you know, one of my favorite things to say is that it's, it's not that it's your fault. It's just that I'm going to blame you. And so if you want to give me a little uh, astrology that I can lay blame to, I would be. Deeply yeah. We firmly believe that it's, it's made up, but also. 100% true. But also always accurate. Well, yeah. So. I mean, it, it could explain like why you have those drunk driving incidents on your record it's, it's because of you know where i, I wish where the stars were at the time i yeah. wish i could blame the stars but no those were just two <laughs> monumental lapses of judgment on my part and i you know i don't have an issue with people fucking up because we all do yeah my yeah. thing is take responsibility own it hopefully learn from it because yeah we do all need second chances because we all screw up like ban the box sort of stuff. I'm once you've, you know, served your time, paid your debt to society, we need to help folks become reintegrated. You know, it, it isn't just the capitalism. Oh, well, we need to make sure that we can, you know, uh, extract as much money value out of your body as possible. It's just that it's, it's hard sometimes. And, uh, you know, we actually, going back to the cultural piece, we have the opposite problem in a lot of rural parts of the state, which is having a drunk driving is kind of a rite of passage. <laughs> and we need to work on that. I've yeah. spent a lot of time in the tavern. I was going to say in the taverns, but my tavern burned down a couple of years ago. But I, I spent a lot of time, you know, people are like, well, what are what do you do to volunteer? What are your community affiliations? And it's kind of hard to explain that I spent a lot of Friday and Saturday nights in the tavern keeping people from doing stupid shit. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that isn't something that neatly fits on a resume somewhere. But it's like, I know that I say friends and neighbors to the point where it's getting threadbare, but it's true. These are people that I love, that I care for, even if we frequently disagree. But we got to look out for one another. We have to build community. 
it's important stuff because I think a lot of the difficulties that we're seeing sociologically are because we are losing our sense of community. I'm an atheist. I was raised Catholic, but I understand the value and the community that belonging to a church can bring to someone. Yeah, I get that. I'm also, all right, big drop here. I am a card-carrying member of the Illuminati. Oh, <laughs> I am. I am a Freemason. Really? And, it, and it's just like, you know, all of this stuff matters. We need to work on building community with our neighbors. That's the only way that we're going to, well, none of us get, get out of it alive. But, uh, you know, maybe we can have a little bit lengthier sentence here. I mean, a little bit lengthier time to enjoy here on planet Earth. Well, preferably, yeah. I mean, we can we can work towards uh, making it a little bit more enjoyable for everybody, hopefully. Absolutely. Yeah, and if Rod Sullivan gives you any guff when you're all supervisors, I'll let you know if it's like a star thing. Like, yeah. oh, yes, uh, well, yes, okay. Our <laughs> now I have to ask, what's Rod's sign? Oh God, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know Rod's birthday. Come on, don't you do show prep? <laughs> Uh, I'll show you the Google Doc. It's about 50 words long. (laughs) And we've covered like a third of it. (laughs) Yeah. uh, So we do, uh, when we started this show, the first episode we did, we presented a list of demands from the Rock Hard Caucus. These are like just a list of principles that we believe strongly in and that we believe that a world that is livable requires these things. Uh, And... We just kind of want, you know, a, a quick, you know, your Give thoughts your on each of these. Principles. Yeah. So, number one, we want universal health care, which includes abortion, mental health, uh, gender affirming uh, surgeries or treatments or whatever, uh, and dental and vision care. Fucking duh. <laughs> yeah. I figured you'd be on board for that one. <laughs> Ding. <laughs> I mean, we if you want to talk about it, we can. But, yeah, it is fucking ass nine that we do not have that sort of, I mean, bedrock, basic, foundational, cornerstone, I'm running out of bullshit buzzwords to deploy. (laughs) I mean, this is basic shit. It's like, yes, okay, I'm on board. Great. Uh, The second one, you already brought up yourself. We've covered it uh, pretty well. Uh, Drug legalization, just across the board, also including voluntary and accessible addiction treatment for those who need it. Yes, and... Well, I I would also just want to add that any sort of broad-based legalization movement needs to include at least a couple other things, expungement Mm -hmm. of previous records. And when we are setting up tax and regulatory schemes for the legal procurement of drugs, we need to make sure that that's done in such a way that communities that have borne the brunt of the war on drugs get the first seat at the table. Yep. Hell yeah. Good additions. Number three, uh, we believe borders are fake. You did talk about uh, undocumented people a little bit, but we, we believe, you know, I mean, we'd say open borders, I guess. Yeah. Monday, I think it was Monday. Time is a flat circle that is entirely meaningless to me right now. Uh, I, was, I was on a forum that uh, CWJ Center for Worker Justice in Iowa City put on with the Catholic Worker House, yeah. uh, Iowa uh, Citizens for Community Improvement. Uh, there were a couple other uh, groups participating, and the whole thing was about this excluded workers fund that we've been talking about. Yeah, Something that I said in that forum that I honestly deeply believe is that immigrants are the best of us. They add 
to the beauty and dynamism of this country. And to your point, the borders are fake. Yeah, there are lines that have been drawn uh, frequently. There's had to be uh, wars waged to figure out where we're going to draw these lines. Yep. But it just blows my mind that you get people. Uh, does everyone have their uh, bomb buckets handy? Uh, you get people like Ross Douthat <laughs> uh, in the New York Times <laughs> worrying about our declining birth rate and yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. How is it that financially and economically we're going to be able to sustain the already uh, embarrassingly low level of uh, social and safety security that we have in this country without more people making babies? Well, the answer is easy. We need to let more people into the country. Furthermore, the crisis on our Mexican border is a crisis that has been manufactured by us, by industrialized countries, because so much of the reason that we've got people pouring north out of the triangle countries is because we've trashed the fucking environment. Yeah. They are running away from natural disasters. They're running. They're also running away from corrupt regimes that we've spent decades propping up or knocking over, depending on who's in it, uh, CIA at any given moment. Yeah. We have a responsibility to these folks. If I come and I burn your house down, you're pretty well justified in expecting me to make you whole. It's the same thing with these folks. Hell yeah, King. <laughs> God bless you for saying that. <laughs> it also just blows my mind. I, you know, I get that it's fucking racism, but at the same time, it right. blows my mind that people are like, oh, well, we can't let these people in. Uh, it's it, it's the public charge thing. We can't let people in if they may need access to governmental programs. <laughs> it's like, who in the fuck do you think is going to the, go through the trouble to walk from, say, Guatemala all the way up to Central America, through Mexico, and then risk the danger of a border crossing. You don't think these people work fucking harder than you do? That's bullshit. (laughs) Right. Yeah. They're coming to contribute, obviously. (laughs) We've said it here, too. Like, if one person, you know, exploits the system, who fucking cares as long as the people who need it are able to access the services? You know, like, I I don't care if someone even does, like get food stamps when maybe they weren't supposed to or whatever. Fuck that. (laughs) And they they don't. Most people who lack documentation, who do hold jobs when they're borrowing social security numbers, it's not that they're getting the benefits that they're paying into the system for benefits they're never likely to see. Yeah. And so this whole moochers and that's that's horse shit. Uh, Next one was prison and police abolition. I know that's something you've talked about. I mean, everyone's been talking about that for yeah. a year now. Yeah. Uh, more than that. <laughs> I mean, where do you want to begin? The uh, the problem from a policy and from getting enough juice to actually make a difference at the policy level is that folks have grown up with what we've got. We're used to it. We're acclimated to it. We're accustomed to it. Mm-hmm. And that's a problem because for for some folks getting the police sorted out is going to be a difficult thing. It's going to mean that if you're in Central Park in New York City, uh, you can't call the fuzz because you run into a black dude who's looking at some fucking birds. <laughs> so we, we, we need to be honest and forthright with folks saying, yes, I'm asking you to give up some of your power. I'm giving, asking you to give up some of your privilege. And that's a difficult conversation, but it's a necessary conversation. If we can, and this is difficult as well, if we can humanize people of color to the racist folks in this country and say, 
They're humans. They deserve to be able to live the same sort of life that we can enjoy, but we're actively subjugating their existence in order to subsidize our own. Mm -hmm. It's a difficult conversation to have, but it's a necessary conversation to have. You know, when I got my two drunk drivings, I wasn't thinking about going to jail when I made those poor decisions. There was stuff on the front end that went into that. And that's where we need to work helping people, whether it be mental health, whether it be substance abuse, all this stuff, it's much easier and it's much more effective to deal with the problems that people are having before they do stupid shit. This is someone who's done a lot of stupid shit saying this. And I've been tremendously fortunate because I've had a good support system around me. Lots of folks don't, especially lots of folks who are undocumented or who have moved into town from far away. Just some folks that aren't as fortunate as I am. So in terms of police abolition and prison abolition, and I'm sorry because I'm getting to the point where I've been campaigning long enough that uh, I know that I'm saying the same stuff over and over again, but it also happens to be true. This stuff doesn't work. Yeah. If you hire a contractor to build 50 houses and 49 of them fall over, you're not going to say, okay, we need to get this guy some more training. We're not going to say, oh, he needs better tools. We're going to say, this ain't fucking working. It's the same thing, no matter how you measure it. What we are doing in policing, what we are doing in warehousing folks, what we are doing in the school to prison pipeline, it doesn't work. All that it does is it upholds white supremacy. And even if, even if you are a bona fide white supremacist, white supremacist rather, at the end of the day, you can make to this podcast. You could make an argument to these folks that, hey, dipshit, first of all, that's evil. But second of all, it hurts <laughs> you. It helps nobody what we're doing in this country. It destroys relationships. It destroys families. It destroys communities, which I've been talking about. It doesn't fucking work. We have to do better. It's not like we don't have a lot of the same exact same issues with like the policing system and addiction and stuff in communities that are ravaged by meth. You know, it's Mm -hmm. it's like this impacts all prison issues and addiction issues and all the things you're talking about. The front end issues impact everyone. And so believing that somehow like, you know, you're shooting yourself in the foot. Yeah. Yeah. And it's also, you know, we other these people. These people are us. There are neighbors, there are families. They're not different from us. Any of us, because of you know how precarious and fragile everything in this country is due to in great measure because of our lack of any sort of social safety net, you know, we're all terrorized all the time. I mean, how frightening is it that you Oh, well, I might lose my job. And if I lose my job, I lose my health care. That's real stress. That's real trauma that impacts everybody all the time. The meth heads, the, uh, the gang bangers, they're us. And any of us are one bad decision or one moment of bad luck away from being those folks. And so what we need to do is explain to people that we're all living on the edge of the knife. The fact that we're not in prison or we're not dead is because of a series of, as Bob Ross would say, happy accidents. And none of that good fortune is guaranteed to us. And so we need to work to ensure that we put the systems in place so that when shit happens, it isn't an automatic derailment into the end of your life. So yeah, there. 
That was great. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so the supervisor role, obviously, you, you don't have a lot of control over the U.S. military and stuff like that. It's not exactly a foreign policy position. But our next demand uh, is, I mean, this is pretty vague, but the end of imperialism. Mm. Uh, with, withdraw U.S. troops abroad, nuclear disarmament, that kind of thing. I will uh, get on board with you if you accede to my counter demand, which is that you throw the end of colonialism in as well. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think I think those uh, go hand in hand. All right. We're agreed then. <laughs> uh, yep, let's go for it. <laughs> you know, you look around and you see so many people that are damaged and broken. A lot of them are military veterans. We do a lot of good. Uh, let's see here. How can I put this colorfully? We do a lot of performative masturbation in service of service members. Does it get much yeah. more colorful than that? For <laughs> your service. We will give you a f- free Grand Slam breakfast at dinner. <laughs> well, discounted. Don't go crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm dreaming too big. <laughs> well, yeah, the the best way that you take care of people in the military is you don't send them off to dumb fucking wars half the planet away. Yeah. So, yeah, we're we're on the same page there. We need to do better about destigmatizing PTSD, uh, about everybody gets their knickers in a twist whenever somebody says toxic masculinity. And you know why that is? It's because. The masculine folks are fucking insecure. They're scared. That's me. It's all it's all a performance, it's all a projection. Well, hello, kitten. Come back. She's she's climbing on me. <laughs> I thought maybe she had something to add to this conversation. She probably does, but this mic doesn't pick up very well. <laughs> but I I get it. You know, she hasn't screamed yet. You folks see me. I'm on the camera. You know how I present macho, masculine, whatever, mm-hmm. we can have a healthy relationship with that. I've got no problem crying. I do it all the time at the most embarrassing times. And it's, it's embarrassing because the only time that I can really cry is watching movies because I have a lot of work to do. Uh, right. That's yeah. I have a similar issue. Okay. Uh, <laughs> what's the last movie you cried at? Oh shit. It's, it's actually been a while. I haven't been watching a lot of movies, but I mean, if I think too hard about any movie, like I can get yeah, to that. Yeah, place. I'm in the same boat. Uh, <laughs> I get that from my mother, too. Oh, I get all my best things from my mother, except for the good things <laughs> that I get from Jaws, my dad. His name is Jaws. Oh. The shark? <laughs> J-O-S. Yeah, Jaws. Joslin. Mm-hmm. He, uh, he is the sweetest, funniest, most sensitive person uh, you'll ever meet. He's done a lot of things, but he spent the last probably 30 years or so driving a dump truck for Pelling, asphalt pavers, miserable work. But no, I love my parents. I love my family. Very fortunate to to have them. I'm not sure how that I'm not sure how I got off on that tangent. But uh, as as a good aspiring politician, I would be uh, remiss to not tell everyone how much I love my family. That is a requirement, yes. (laughs) I got my checklist right here. Good, good. I've got my checklist. And the next item on that list, uh, you mentioned all of us living on the edge of the knife, and this is kind of about that. Uh, I believe in work abolition, by which I mean we need to break the tie between employment and basic survival. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, You know, (laughs) 
I'm not sure how much of a discussion we have to have about this because it seems so plainly yeah. simple and duh. You know, some people are fortunate in that they really find value in what they do for a living. And, you know, God bless them. I aspire to be that person. But at the same time, you shouldn't need that. Right. That should be a bonus. A lot of people, let's face it, work miserable jobs that they hate. Mm-hmm. We need to empower them so that, yes, they do have a baseline level of comfort and security, whether that be ensuring that everybody in this country, uh, anybody know off the top of their head how much an F-35 costs? Something mm. absurd. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like 21 million or something. Yeah, I think, it, uh, yeah. I mean, it's daddy fucking war. Not sure. <laughs> and it's like we can afford to build these things, even though they're pretty much lemons coming off the line. We can probably find a way to put a roof over everybody's head in this country. Mm-hmm. You know, COVID has kind of shown us a couple things. It's like we're doing uh, free school meals for kids. I would very much, I know that no one will because none of y'all are fucking idiots, <laughs> but I'd like to hear somebody present a defense for why there are school children in this country that have a school meal debt that needs to be cleared, that they get punished for being poor well it's the the child the child is like uh collateral for the parents like if Uh if the threat of your child suffering and going hungry isn't there like why would you why would you work why would you be productive if your kid can't die well i think you mentioned earlier that you're not exactly getting rich doing this podcast (laughs) but you do it anyway you find value in it yep and so yeah we need to empower people to do things that they can find and make and take value from we're so fucking rich. It's, it's obscene. You know, people complain to me about my language. The fact that I swear that I'm smoking, that I'm having a beer, that ain't obscene. What's obscene (laughs) is that we've got billionaires that are, have gotten fat over the last 14 months. Yep. Yeah. (laughs) What the fuck are we doing? Yep. It's about returning the fruits of the labor to the people doing the labor. So what the last 14 months has paid post on, I'm originally from Wyoming. Wyoming is like, it is the state that is the blueprint for extraction, whether it be oil, coal, gas, uh, uranium, bauxite. Anyway, all that they've done since day one in Wyoming is they suck shit out of the earth and they send it and all the value and wealth goes to folks, bankers and captains of industry, titans of industry <laughs> on the coasts. And it's, it's bullshit. We have seen in the last 14 months, we're now doing that with our people. We have spent the pandemic extracting the very life out of people who have had to go to work so that we can buy cheap fucking pork chops. We need to desperately reconsider that wager We can either do it the easy way, which is admitting that it's fucked up and working to improve it, or we can wait until there's a violent revolution in this country. I much prefer the former to the latter, but, you know, if we do get overthrown, it ain't because we didn't deserve it. All right. Yeah. (laughs) This guy's on the ballot on the Democratic line, by the way, everybody. (laughs) He sees what's... uh what's coming in the future (laughs) it's difficult because uh, at the end of the day what you are the pitch is you have power and you have wealth and i'm asking you to voluntarily give some of that up that's 
that's scary. I get that. Yeah, I get it. But you know, if you're interested in equity and fairness and morality, it has to be done. We cannot continue treating folks around us like they're cannon fodder uh, for whatever the war is, whether it's in Afghanistan, whether it's uh, Black Lives Matter, you know, trying to get to the interstate last year. Mm-hmm. We cannot treat people like they're just something to be shoved into a meat grinder somewhere. Yep. I've got two more demands on this list here. You mentioned extraction already, and uh, we would like to see a cease to all fossil fuel extraction. Uh, duh. I'm sorry. I keep saying that. <laughs> that was kind of a point of our demands, really. <laughs> you guys going to start a duh pack? <laughs> That's it was a good like idea. it kind of yeah. we started this podcast, people listening to it kind of agreed with that stuff. And so we want to make the case why you're the candidate for them. So the does matter even if you know. Yeah. No, I mean just keeping it simple. I mean it's about yeah, yeah, humanity. Yeah. 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 No, absolutely. I live in the house that my grandparents built. Right outside the bedroom window is this wonderful, delicious pine tree. It sounds amazing. It's the best thing. When you go to sleep at night, you open the window and you can hear the wind rustling through the pine needles. Mm -hmm. My grandfather planted that tree and then he went deaf before it grew up enough that he could enjoy it. You know, it's the old saying, you plant trees for your grandkids. We have a responsibility to those who are coming after us. And now the situation, the crisis has become so urgent. It's not. It's got nothing to do with our grandkids. It's us. We are all young enough that we're going to live to see some deep shit climate stuff going on that the utilization of fossil fuels is deeply implicated in. Maybe this cigarette isn't going to give me lung cancer, but probably the 5 million before it are going to have something to do with it. (laughs) And it's like uh, the, the Greenland ice sheet I was just reading the other day at their current projection we have already got three to six feet of sea level rise baked in at the rate of deterioration of the Greenland ice sheets. We like to reflect upon how the fact that we live here in Iowa, we fly over country. Most of this country's population lives on the coasts. Well, them fucking coasts are about to get swamped. Mm-hmm. And so it is urgent that we end the use of fossil fuels and that we shift to renewable energy and we're doing so well. The, the whole thing in Wyoming is uh, they're suing Jay Inslee in Washington State because they want to force them to build a coal export terminal so Wyoming can ship its coal to China and India mainly. But it's like the market isn't there. It's not going to be there because even the Chinese are beginning to understand that this isn't, this isn't working. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you look at their air pollution and stuff yeah. where even without COVID, you can't go outside without an N95 because you're just going to choke to death. This isn't sustainable. Okay. I, I accede to your demand. Thank you. <laughs> Appreciate that. And finally, another one you already covered briefly. Uh, we demand safe, decent, and affordable housing for everyone. Uh, affordable in many cases means free. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I said, We spend so much money in this country on a bunch of silly shit. It's it's not a question of resources. It's a question of policy. It's a question of principle. It's a question of what we do that we 
permit ourselves to sleep at night, we can do this. And again, another thing about COVID is we've seen how to do it because lots of jurisdictions have put on home people in hotel rooms that have been vacant. And it's like, huh, this ain't that difficult. Right. It's just a matter of having the political resolve to say, yes, let's spend some money on unhomed people who have no political power instead of going back to the F-35. I think that they uh, have manufacturing supply contracts in something like 210 congressional districts. That's a lot of political power. Right. But it's also a decision that we collectively make that we would rather light money on fire doing that (laughs) instead of spending it so that folks can have a fucking place to put their head. Yep. Yep. The resources are there. We're just not uh, allocating them Mm -hmm. in a way that works for humanity. Yeah. And it would benefit everyone if we were to do that. Yeah. Yeah, And that's, that's Evan, to your point, that's exactly the pitch that we need to make is, uh, I know that I am pretty good about being uh, bleeding heart and talking about high fluting principles and stuff, but we do need to make a stronger effort in arguing towards people's self-interest that, hey, you're going to have a better life if you know your kid isn't off getting a leg blown off in Iraq or whatever. Instead of spending money to send him there, let's spend some money to get these folks off the street. That's pretty, pretty simple to me. And that's uh, it's exactly like something that Evan wanted to bring up as well is that, uh, you know, you, John, you live in a rural community, you live in a small town, Lone Tree. I imagine people generally living in those communities don't uh, think exactly the same way that Stella and I do in Iowa City about uh, politics and, and ideology and all that. Uh, and I imagine you had to have some, you know, difficult conversations, you know, selling yourself as... I can be the mayor of, of this town. Like you should elect me. Is that how you did that? Is that how you made those kind of arguments? No, I've just been myself. I mean, <laughs> it's admittedly difficult for me to be anyone else. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even people, I was at the tavern last night and uh, this guy who just loves to give me shit was there. And, you know, I'm just fucking with him and he's fucking with me. And yeah, I'm not going to, well, first of all, he's a felon, so he can't vote. But even mm. if he could, he wanted to voted for me anyway. Maybe he would have just stayed home otherwise. But it's like I get out there. I talk to people. They know that we disagree. And, you know, I banter with them just like I'm bantering with you folks. But it's it's authentic. Nobody doubts, you know, where I'm at, what I believe in. And even if they disagree with, you know, some of the stuff that I want to do, they also appreciate that when I was mayor of Lone Tree, population 1,447, you know, I put in the time because I want this community to do better. Whereas some previous mayors have viewed the job as, you know, this is like a caretaking thing that I'm doing. It's, it's civic responsibility. I don't really have anything that I want to do, but somebody's got to be mayor. So I'm going to step up and do it. Whereas to me, it was like, we got a lot of shit we need to deal with and we need to have sometimes difficult arguments about how best to resolve these disagreements, but just pretending that they don't exist and sticking our heads up our asses, that doesn't fix anything. You can do that for so long because we are so fantastically rich in this country. (laughs) You can get away with that for Mm -hmm. so long, but it's not sustainable long-term. We're quickly running up against the limits of what is sustainable. Now, we were just talking about environmental stuff 
And that's a global issue. But to bring it back home to Lone Tree, it's like the the bedrock, um, repeating myself now, but like the cornerstone of Lone Tree community is the Lone Tree School. You know, people turn out to the ball games. We do the fundraisers. We've got parades, that sort of thing. That's building community. And we need to vouchsafe for that community, which means we need to make Lone Tree an attractive place for people to live because we need more kids in the school. Otherwise, in the next 10 years or so, we're probably going to have to do a consolidation. Mm-hmm. Lone Tree has got a K through 12, about 400 kids all under one roof. It's the same damn school that my grandparent, well, my grandfather went to. My grandmother went to Nichols, which closed in 1988, mm-hmm. the year that I went into kindergarten. Got real quiet. No. <laughs> yeah, I was. <laughs> I think that's, that's cool to think about. Well, I know you're preaching to the choir on a lot of this stuff, but I think the message that you're getting out there that really resonates with me and I, you know, I don't want to speak for the whole group, but just like having a degree of empathy and optimism, even though there's like some dire situations to address. Absolutely. But if we collectively work together and mm-hmm. fight like hell and we got to do it, you know? <laughs> yeah, we, we have to, we must. Uh, failure is very much an option, but uh, I'm not going to accept that. And, you know, that's the challenge of our time. It's fucking exhausting, but it has to be done. <laughs> yep. Well, we're uh, we're about an hour 20 into this recording. I don't want to hold John all night, but I do. Uh, so that was, I think, eight out of eight. I think John agreed with all of our demands, right? Anyone else keeping track? <laughs> seemed like he we're was. Simpatico. Yeah, it seemed like he was on board. Uh, do we want to vote? I know Chuck isn't here, but we do have a quorum. So do we, <laughs> we have a quorum. Yeah. Do we do we want to vote uh, on whether the podcast Rock Hard Caucus will endorse John Green? I am in favor of the motion. Yeah, right. yeah, uh, I need seconded. a second. Yeah. Right. I, I don't know all these rules, but I've been to these kind of meetings where they they talk like this. Uh, all right, so I think then show of hands uh, to endorse John Green as a podcast. Podcast is an audio medium, so I think you're gonna have to oh, yeah. adjust well, yeah. what just occurred. There might be some Patreon exclusives from this. <laughs> the four of us know uh, how we all voted, and we'll leave it at that. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> No, no, I, uh, it was a. This was an unrecorded voice vote. <laughs> this is exactly how Liz Cheney got tanned and hide. <laughs> yes, it was a uh, unanimous decision. Uh, Rock Hard Caucus, as a collective, is formally endorsing John Green for Johnson County Supervisor. Well, thank you, one and all. So, how can people vote for you? All right, so. Thanks to our fiends, I mean our friends in the fucking legislature, they have pretty well fucked up uh, absentee voting and uh, mail voting. That window is basically closed. Mm-hmm. If you want to vote early, go to the Johnson County Administrative Building where uh, Kirkwood does the weird S-curve thing. Everyone knows where it's at. Mm-hmm. You can vote there early, Monday through Friday, 8 to 5. It's drive-through voting. It takes about five minutes because, again, thanks to the recent legal changes, you've got to show up and you've got to fill out an absentee ballot request form. 
and then you give it to them and then they bring you a ballot, yada, 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 but about five minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is satellite voting at the Iowa City Public Library, I believe this Saturday and Sunday. I need to check on that. And then at the Coralville Public Library next Saturday, the North Liberty Public Library next Sunday, but drive through at the county administrative building or vote at your usual precinct on Tuesday, June 8th. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, John. Uh, do we have any other burning questions that we got to ask John before we let him go? Stella? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing? I know the Muppets were the primary issue out. for Stella. So I think yeah. <laughs> that was a big one. You know, I, I try to be tough but fair, but um, I appreciate your candor. I heard that if you uh, donate to pack, they'll funnel some of the cash your way. Is that, can you confirm or deny? You would have to cut, you have to cut that part. <laughs> I said I wouldn't talk about them. Oh, yeah. And then your donate is act blue slash green for JC. For JC. Okay. So yep. throw them some money too. I already did. The link will be in the description of this episode, and then I will wash my hands because I don't want to put an Act Blue link on this podcast. <laughs> no, I, 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 I get it. It's you know, and honestly, it is something that uh, that I wrestle with, and I think I need to wrestle with mm-hmm. uh, because you do have to do certain things to get elected, and some of them, whatever your political persuasion are, you find distasteful, and so it is a constant struggle to maintain your dignity, your honor, but also doing what you need to get elected. Uh, The money thing, it sucks. But unlike, uh, I should have showed you folks that before the sun went down when (laughs) I took you out to see the grocery store. (laughs) Phil Hemingway's got a huge barn sign right across the street every time I pop my head out the front door for a cigarette. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, fucking Hemingway. Yeah, yeah. He loves his signs. <laughs> yeah. Didn't he, he had like six signs of his own name that he'd written behind him during the forum yesterday. <laughs> yeah. Someone else noted that. Um, <laughs> you know, there, there there wasn't enough shock value there for me to register it, but I'm glad. You <laughs> I do have one final question. Are you more pleased to get our endorsement or Senator Bernie Sanders? <laughs> oh, well, now that... That's a fucking question. <laughs> but let me tell you about the Sanders in this moment. I worked for him. I was a state delegate for him in 16, mm-hmm. and I was a state surrogate for him last year. And so I reached out to the campaign to ask what the language was. There had been some discussion whether I was going to be a, a surrogate or a co-chair, and the Oliver... Uh, who is the political director of his PAC. Yeah. Hidalgo Willoughbin. Yep. Yeah. yeah. We went yep. to high school yep. with him. Went to our <laughs> high school. Yeah. Oh. You guys are so fucking connected. That's I'm just right. down here. <laughs> I, I only had one Harvard graduate in my graduating <laughs> class. Jesus Christ. You fucking class people. City folks. But at any rate, what I was talking to Oliver, he's like, oh, yeah, here, here's this form. You should fill this out if you want Bernie's endorsement. Said okay, whatever. Uh, yeah, would surprise me if he wanted to play in a county supervisor race, but I dutifully filled it out, sent it away, forgot about it. And like two and a half weeks later, the day before the nominating convention, Oliver's like, Oh, by the way, you got the endorsement. I'm like, Oh, wow, oh, well, holy shit. <laughs> and uh, 
that was great. I'm very glad to have his endorsement. I'm very glad to have your endorsement, <laughs> but I am going to be a good politician and I'm going to be a good boyfriend. And I'm going to tell you the thing that got me over the finish line. The thing that means the most to me is Eleanor. My girlfriend is an organizing fucking genius. <laughs> she is the one who came up with the plan about how we were going to talk to delegates and make sure that folks turned out for the convention. She's doing the same thing right now. She's up in Iowa city running phone banks right now. Not me. Us is not bullshit. It yeah. really is a team effort. Uh, I've got a lot of good folks helping me out and all the credit goes to them and to Senator Sanders and to the engaged listenership of the Rock Hard Caucus. <laughs> I even managed to say that with a straight face. <laughs> you know, you know, all right, I'll, I'll, let me get personal for just a moment. The thing I, I've been fairly criticized for being too much of a cynic before. The thing that destroyed my cynicism was getting divorced. Mm, interesting. Uh, yeah, I, I've got a very good relationship with my ex-wife. She's, she is my graphic designer. She's doing all my campaign material oh. and stuff. She's a rock star. You know, I'm fortunate to have a lot of wonderful people, a lot of wonderful women in my life. And everything is a team effort. And so thank you for your endorsement. <laughs> thank you, John, for uh, talking with us for an hour and a half on our podcast. This is uh, you didn't have to do that. And honestly, yeah, we had a great time talking to you. I hope the tavern's still open. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, I hope you can get a couple drinks in after this. Uh, all right. No, no, no. Wait, wait, wait. I'd be remiss to let you all go. <laughs> Your fucking radioactive Mountain Dew notwithstanding. <laughs> That's everyone's drink of choice. I'm going to make some uh, some decisions about how I think of you all now. As you- oh, the tables have turned. Oh, yeah, yeah. Got to give him this shot. You, here. You'll note, you'll note, you'll note that I waited to receive your endorsement. <laughs> <laughs> Well, when you got up to get a beer, I did as well, and then I realized I was out, oh. which was unfortunate. But I, I, planning. <laughs> I have been drinking the uh, the Blonde Fatale from uh, Peach mm-hmm. Tree Brewing, Knoxville. Mm-hmm. That's a heavy, uh, heavy shot there, eight and a half percent. Yeah, but it's good shit. It's good. Yeah. Well, you know, I showed you the the can I was drinking out of already. I'm a teetotaler myself, so. This is pretty much all I get to do. <laughs> oh, you should try seltzer water. It's better for you. <laughs> I'm a heavy drinker, so. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Go ahead, Josh. Now we're making news. No, no, Stella. Don't let us interrupt the uh, breaking news, Shyrock. Yeah, well, I usually like this time of year when it gets this humid, like sour beers. I like the beatnik sour beer. That's probably the number one beer of all time. And and then I, I really like those like hard seltzers. White claw. <laughs> yeah, Natalie and I are known to crack a white claw. And uh <laughs> I don't make the rules. <laughs> but uh I'll drink anything, you know. <laughs> I like a good hard cider, I think, and then also um, the the two of us white girls like our white claws. <laughs> so 
salsa or hey, you gotta own it. or like <laughs> does some a job flavored seltzer water before. <laughs> oh yeah. Fair enough. What are you drinking? I don't think we asked. Well, it's it's empty, but it's hams from the land of sky ah. blue waters. Uh, I've also got some Labats from our mm. uh, Canadian rough. friends. Uh, my sister lives in Detroit, so whenever I make it out there to see her, I make sure to bring a couple cases back with me. I also, because I am your basic white boy, <laughs> I also like IPAs. <laughs> I like IPAs. I like straight whiskey. Jim Beam is, you know, manna from heaven. Uh, yeah, it's good shit. But to your point, Natalia, there really isn't much that I'll turn down. <laughs> you know, I just, I'm just here for a good time. <laughs> Amen to that. <laughs> That's a good, uh, good place to end. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, our listeners who reside in Johnson County, those of you who are willing and able to vote, uh, I would encourage you to do so. Anytime between now and June 8th, John already gave you the rundown. I won't uh, repeat that, but thanks for listening. Thanks once again to John Green, and thank you to Evan, Stella, and Natalia for joining me tonight. <laughs> it's been a pleasure. Thank you, everyone.